1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Colts Cast. I'm your host, Chris Blystone, and I'm joined, as always, by Jim Campbell and Chris Shepard. Guys, how's it going this evening? Hey, Chris. Doing good. All right. So this evening, we, we already had a podcast scheduled to record this evening. And then, as fate would have it, we had a bombshell dropped directly into our laps about an hour before we were set to record Chris Ballard gets on the horn with all the local media and has a conference call because all of the speculation that took place across the course of today, after Jim Say's comments this morning, which we'll get into a little bit later, they, they just really sort of blew up, and there was speculation abounding. And Ballard decided to address the media and give a little bit more information on what all is going on with Andrew Luck's ankle, leg, lower leg area situation. So. We're going to spend a significant amount of time dealing with that. Some of you have already read that story. Uh, When this podcast drops, which probably will be very early in the wee hours of Wednesday morning, you may or may not have actually heard much about this. So um, we're going to dig into that bit of news. We are going to cover some other news. There are a few other news items to go through. And then we actually wanted to talk about some camp standouts because training camp is nearly wrapped. The Cleveland Browns are coming to town tomorrow tomorrow to camp and camp breaks on the 15th. So there's, there's not much left in terms of training camp for this team. It's, it's nearing the end and that means we're moving toward that next phase of the off season before we're really kind of geared up to, to start real football. So um, with all that stuff on the docket, let's go ahead and just jump right into some of the news items here. We'll, we'll go through a couple Um, we'll go through first, we'll just go through injury updates that are not Andrew luck, just because those other players also matter as well. Um, so yeah, we've got uh, people who did not practice in yesterday's practice. Um, and yesterday being Monday, uh, for those of you listening to this podcast on Wednesday, that's confusing because the Colts obviously didn't practice on Tuesday. Penny Hart sat with a hamstring injury still. Uh, he's been out for a while, so that's a little bit concerning. Adam Vinatieri with a knee. Andrew Luck obviously did not practice. We'll go well into that. T.Y. Hilton had a maintenance day. Paris, uh, Paris Campbell is in. As I said, Paris Campbell the first time. Penny Hart uh, was the other hamstring. Uh, Jordan Wilkins with a foot injury was, was out. Nate Harrison uh, with an undisclosed injury. Quentin Nelson sat with an ankle injury. Evan Clark had an undisclosed injury. And Jabal Sheard with his knee. Danico Autry and Justin Houston were both also held out just for maintenance days. And then guys that actually came back to practice on Monday, Deion Cain, Clayton Gathers, Rocky Sin, and Pierre Desir, Ross Travis, Daniel Munier, and Eric Ebron all were back in practice ever after having missed some time. So uh, that's kind of the rundown on those injuries. We won't dig too terribly much into any of those guys today because one injury obviously is going to kind of dominate our conversation. But before we actually talk about Andrew Luck, uh, I did want to point out, and, and there is – pro football focus is sometimes a point of ridicule. Their analysis can sometimes be a little bit confusing in terms of their ratings and things like that. They do a really good job uh, as Shepard will attest at at charting. And uh, they're very reliable in terms of their stats, but they're not always necessarily even in terms of their ratings of players. And so sometimes uh, you can't put a whole lot of stock in that, but one of the things that's kind of interesting is that Marvell Tell was named to PFF's preseason team of the week for week one with an 88.8 grade, which was fourth in the league among corners, and that's pretty cool. Uh, that that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot, but it, it is kind of neat to have one of your rookies be recognized in that kind of way.
2: Yeah, Um You know, PFF grades are, uh, they're really interesting because I I mean, they're worthless, (laughs) Um, but it's almost never a bad thing to be rated highly. Um, I have seen some people rated very low in some games that I I disagree with after rewatching the game and seeing their performance. Um, But, you know, it's almost never a bad thing to have one of your guys rated high. So um, while I'm not going to put a ton of stock in it, it's not a bad thing.
1: No, it's cool something to talk about. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're talking about a rookie who is relatively raw and a guy like, like tell who is going to be struggling to make the roster. Definitely a a bonus, a nice feather in his cap to be able to, um, you know, to be able to say that, you know, that he accomplished at least, I mean, enough to have warranted a grade like that, even if that doesn't mean that he legitimately was the fourth best corner in week one of the preseason. Um, like you said, if you're rated at the top, it means you're doing some things right. So, yeah. um, so, congratulations to him on on that prestigious honor. I'm sure <laughs> that he is, uh, I'm sure he's highly excited about it. So, all right. So, with that out of the way, uh, the elephant in the room is obviously the Andrew Luck injury. And if you don't know if you missed the first part of this that I referenced. So Jim Ursay was on Sirius XM NFL last night and he was talking to Bill Pullian and he was talking about various different things. But one of the things he talked about was Andrew Luck and his return from injury. And he, you know, kind of did like what Jim Ursay does where he's just kind of talking and he mentions that, you know, it's not even an Achilles. He's he started out talking about the Kevin Durant comparison and it's not even an Achilles It's a small, tiny, or small little bone, um, and I don't even, and he says something to the effect that he doesn't know what it's called, can't remember what it's called, the trainers had told him he couldn't remember, um, but that Ryan Deem and, and Raheem Brock had both dealt with this kind of injury, and that that's what luck had, and... Uh, long and short of it is that wasn't totally accurate. We find out a little bit later more about that from this press conference this evening, but, uh, furiously resulted in people looking up Ryan and Raheem Brock's injury history, trying to scramble and find out what connection this might be and what that could mean for Andrew Luck and his recovery. But it was, you know, kind of this huge explosion of, of, of really concerned because you're hearing bone injury instead of calf strain, which is a very different tune from what we'd heard before. So I don't know if you guys saw this while this was going on, but it was a very interesting impact on, on Colts Twitter to be sure.
2: So I was actually, I was at my day job, um, doing something much more important than being on Twitter. Uh, but I did try to catch up a little bit, uh, you know, kind of later, and uh, the overreactions are amazing, and I can't say that I wouldn't have overreacted, Um, but yeah, it definitely wasn't a boring day for Colts fans.
3: Yeah, I was at work, I saw something, or this morning saw something about, you know, the bone thing, and then got pulled away from my desk, so then all I could think of while I was doing other things was like, what bone thing? This is ridiculous, (laughs) and and so that did eat up a large portion of my, my thought process during the day but then i i got caught up and you know we'll go further i guess
1: i i messaged my buddy who's a physician's assistant and and kind of gave him the rundown of what ursa had said and his response was ursa should stay in his lane um and (laughs) he, he works he works for an orthopedic surgeon and you know deals with a lot of of leg related things. And so I felt pretty confident in his response that, you know, okay, this has indicated enough to him that the person who's talking doesn't really know what they're talking about. That 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 I at least don't have enough information to be super concerned. But obviously it raised concerns enough that then this evening Chris Ballard decided to have a conference call and get, you know, it was about a 17-minute call. And according to Stephen Holder, at least through his his Twitter account, I believe he said that basically they were out of questions by the end of the conference. I tried to listen to it, and uh, was was disrupted by my children deciding that they were going to have a mutiny in the middle of that that uh, listen. So I didn't get through the entirety of it, but I was I was about three quarters of the way through, and they they basically had been tapped out in terms of questions, and Ballard answered them at least to some degree or other. But there are some legitimate concerns. And so here are are a couple of the bullet points from well, I'll give you I'll give you just a, a real quick rundown of of essentially the cliff notes from this. Basically, Ballard went through and reviewed what their process was like. So in March, they did an MRI that revealed that Andrew Luck had a calf strain. And so they say definitively he did have a calf strain. It's not that they were um making something up or, or that they misdiagnosed that there was a calf strain. Uh, What it sounds like now is that it was not the only thing that there was, there was something additional to that calf strain. So he starts camp and they have pain that spreads to the ankle, specifically the front of the ankle. And so after day three, he, was Day three was when they – so I was there day two. Day three was the last day that he practiced, and then they decided they needed to step back uh, because he had aggravated something and there was there was more pain. And so they decided that they were going to um, kind of step back from that. Now, they believed when they did some diagnosis, there's this – and I'm going to butcher this name. I even heard them say it on the press conference, but this, this ostrigonum. Um, which is a bone on the back part of the ankle that not everybody has. Apparently, according to Ryan Deem, only like 10% of people even have this bone. And he's he one who also has it. And this was the comment that Ursay actually made, was that this bone was, um, was the thing where the problem lay, that you can actually have a fracture or, or an issue with this bone. And they thought maybe that's where the problem was, was with this bone. He made that statement Monday night. By today, they got results back from a scan that they did on the front of the ankle that indicated that that was not correct. And so now they think they found the source of the pain, but they, they were not able to say definitively that they have. Um, they do not think there is surgery necessary. They, rehab is still the way that they plan to deal with this injury. And they are unwilling to give a specific timetable, and Ballard was not ready at three and a half weeks out to rule Luck out for the opener. Okay, so... That's a lot of information dump Jim thoughts. This is stupid. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I mean, it's, it it is what it is. So, you know, whatever I can't, I can't change that. And personally, as far as like the actual injury itself, I'm more concerned about Paris Campbell's hamstring than, than Andrew Luck's ankle. uh, At least at this point, but The road we took to get to his ankle has been painful. And I know in the conference call, Chris Ballard said, you know, look, this isn't 2017 or or something to that effect. And it seemed like he was at least somewhat transparent in the process and very open to them. But I feel like had Ursay not said something, they just would have shifted into trying to rehab this and not told anybody. And just been rolling with the ankle strain, and hope that they could get him ready for week one. If not, then you know switch. And he did bring up fairly extensively in the uh, uh, in the conference call about how much they love Jacoby.
1: Yeah, I mean that. I I think you're right. I don't think they probably would have brought anything up if it weren't for that. And I can't say that I necessarily blame them. I don't feel necessarily. I know there are a lot of Colts fans that feel wronged by not being kept up to date on injuries. It's a competitive it's a competitive game and they do that a lot. So that doesn't concern me as much. What maybe concerns me a little bit more is the unsure nature of, of the team in terms of what actually is wrong. That makes me a little bit nervous because it seems like they don't have a great grasp on what exactly this issue is. I mean, they were un I mean, he was unwilling to commit and say, yeah, we've definitively, they know this is the issue and, uh, and they're working to fix it. Now, we talked in our Slack channel, Shepard, that you know, there are some times in the medical profession that that maybe certainty is overestimated by people who don't do or understand medicine and that that maybe there's a little bit more guesswork involved in some of these processes, especially with injuries like this, than we'd like to believe. So maybe it's wrong of us or unfair of us to to, you know, really kind of try to pin people down on all that stuff, that there really is some level of guesswork involved in in this sort of solution to an injury like this. But we were kind of led to believe that they had an idea and, you know, whether that was misleading on their part or whether it was just that they believed it and were wrong. That's a couple of times that seems to have happened to them that that draw some things in question and, and leaves you with some emotional scarring, making me wonder and worry that I'm going to be <laughs> literally every time Andrew Luck gets a hangnail that I'm going to have to be writing 15 stories about you know, what's going on with Andrew luck and not really knowing and having to speculate and wonder, is this guy going to make the field? So I, I don't know what to think in terms of, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I was misled, but uh, it certainly is a frustrating situation to, to find ourselves in with three and a half weeks to the season. Well, and let me, maybe I didn't uh, voice it well enough, but like, I'd rather have been oblivious
3: to be honest with you. Like it's, It's hearing that uncertainty that sucks. Like, I know that happens, but I I don't want to hear that. (laughs) I want them to come out and tell me before week one, hey, Andrew Luck isn't going to start. It's because of this. And we think we got like two weeks. You know what? That's fine. You don't owe me anything. And this is ultimately entertainment. But um, this makes it feel worse. And it brings my anxiety up to a level I don't appreciate
2: so the the way i see it there's a few problems that kind of go with all of this the first problem is is that i don't know how much the team can release without andrew luck saying hey guys i want you to release this information so i don't know how HIPAA works with nfl teams um but i know for sure um so for those people who don't know my day job, uh, I work in operating rooms throughout the Midwest. I travel all over, I bring a machine, I hook it up, I run it. That's what I do. So I can't say anything. I'm actually not even allowed to tell people what facility I'm at and what procedure I'm doing. Um, that's just something that I'm not supposed to do. So I don't know how much the team can release. Obviously there, there's a requirement to release some information about injuries. Um, and I think that's a competitive thing that the league Does. Um, But, you know, if Andrew Luck just wants to tell people that he's got a calf injury and really it turns out he's got, he's had his lower leg amputated. I don't know if the team, I don't know what the team can actually say if that's what Andrew Luck wants to say and they just have to designate a lower leg injury. So that's the first problem I see. The second problem I see is the fact that um, Chris, like you, like you mentioned, we have absolutely no idea what they know and what they don't know. And the thing is, is that they may not have any idea? They might have one idea, but it might be wrong. So I, I see a lot of surgeries every day. I'm in a different surgery, um, and most people that aren't in that environment wouldn't believe how many times <laughs> a surgeon will look at something and say, "I, I have, I have no idea. Maybe, maybe if I do this, maybe if I do that, I don't know." And that's when they're inside working. They're they're seeing the thing that they couldn't see before and that they're trying to fix and there's indecision and they're not sure. And they're giving it, they're giving it a very educated guess. And I'm not talking about bad surgeons. I'm talking about surgeons I know to be good at what they do. So <laughs> the fact that they haven't opened Andrew Luck up yet, they, they haven't gone in there to look at anything. They're trying to explore every option that they can that I would, I would put a lot of money on. They have some very good doctors doing very good work and they're trying everything they can, but I'm guessing they're not confident in what this is. And that's, that's the biggest issue because Andrew Luck doesn't know what it is. The doctors don't want to know what it is. The team doesn't know what it is. The fans don't know what it is. And we're all sitting here as fans going, well, we want to know (laughs) (laughs) everybody wants to know. So, you know, I think that that's frustrating for the fans. Um, and, that puts the team in a rough situation too, because what do you, what do you tell the fans? What, what are you supposed to tell them? Hey, here's this thing we don't know what it is. Oh, by the way, everybody freak out now. Like, well you know, what's better to say that? Hey, we have no clue why Andrew Luck's in pain. He may not play Week One. Uh, we have no answers for you, so good luck. Or is it better to say, Andrew Luck has a calf strain. He's not going to practice right now. We expect him back for week one, which is worse. I mean, it's six of one, half dozen of another. There's no there's no way you win that situation.
1: Yeah. Well, and one of the things that they did say, and I thought this was kind of interesting, is they were discussing um, the – so when they were talking about the actual location of the injury, they had been – after they what what Ballard specifically said is that they give you a shot in the back area because of uh, this location, this small bone that they thought was the problem, this ostrigonum they thought was the issue. When you give there's an, a local injection that you can give. And if there's a relief in pain, that basically clarifies that this is the thing that is causing the problem because of the way that they do this. If, if the pain goes away, that usually means you have found the source. Well, there was some relief to the pain, but it wasn't a complete relief. So at that point they decided from whatever discussion they, they decided that was convincing enough to them that they thought that was the problem. And so they went forward with their rehab as normal, as if that was the issue. And it wasn't until like, I think they said this week or, or late last week when Andrew actually came to them and said, I think we need to start looking at different areas because this is not, imp- this is not impre- improving or progressing. And so, to me, that says a little bit in terms of that maybe they think they've narrowed things down because of the fact that things weren't improving treating generally what they thought was the issue and so they can change their tactics in terms of treatment. I still don't know that that tells us anything on in terms of how fast you can expect him to recover. We just don't know that information and, and we won't. Um, but the hope is that with these guys, if they're working in the right area, doing the right stuff, that you're going to see an expedited timeline to recovery we just don't have any clue what that actually looks like.
3: Well, and they said that they think that the
1: calf strain exacerbated the ankle. Um, so yes, and that it was a and that was a cumulative thing yeah. too. There was not like one individual isolated incident, but that the the calf and the or the uh, the yeah the ankle injury was actually a cumulative effect of of several other ankle injuries to that left ankle that he's had.
3: And so, I mean, I I I do feel good that you know they seem to be narrowing down i guess that's nice i guess if they would have just left it there (laughs) and just said hey look you know we've been kind of treating the wrong thing that thing's probably good now we need to move on to this other thing and we think we got this dialed in and and walk away from it but the fiasco that it has been since ursa dropped the whole bone thing um like it's just unfortunate I mean the whole thing's unfortunate of course but like I I need I want to know if Andrew Luck's going to play I don't need the entire drama and of course the world we live in this is what everybody craves I don't need the drama of going through all of these you know uh pop up you know impromptu press conferences and stuff for damage control and stuff it just for for such a well-run organization, it feels like a lot of cleanup damage and stuff that or
1: damage cleanup that they shouldn't have to be doing. Well, and in terms of that, and this is something that, Shepard, you kind of spoke to a little bit. And I know that Stephen Holder has said this many times. Andrew is the guy who's very guarded, and it may be that it may be that his privacy is is dictating a lot of the way some of this stuff is handled. That's the impression that I get from reading a lot of these guys and what and what they say is that that his privacy and his desire to keep this stuff pretty hush-hush mm-hmm. is uh, is dictating a lot of how they handle this stuff. And if you notice, they, they don't really deal with anybody else's injuries quite like they deal with his. Now, he's the starting quarterback, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, so it's not totally surprising that that would be handled differently. But... It, I mean, he he definitely kind of sets the standard in terms of of how that is going to be done, because it's him. I mean, it's his body. It's it's, you know, and like we said, we don't understand exactly how HIPAA relates to the NFL. I assume there's something in the CBA that says that they've got to reveal certain football things to some degree. But there is still going to be some kind of control on their side of what stuff they want released to the public.
2: Right. And that's, that's the the hard part because I'm sure most guys don't care a bit because you're a third string defensive tackle. Nobody, nobody's going to be prying into this guy. TMZ sports <laughs> isn't going to be hitting this dude up when he's trying to go out to, to dinner being like, Hey man, how's your ankle doing? But Andrew Luck, you're, you're probably, everybody's going to stop you and ask you. So yeah, you know, I, I, I can understand why he wants it to be kept private, but I think that that, ultimately that leads to to the type of distractions that we're seeing here today. I understand his desire. You know, I get it, but it ultimately may not be the best thing.
1: Well, it just isn't realistic when you're a starting quarterback in the NFL. You're not going to ha- you're not going to have privacy right. yeah. and you can have that privacy back when you're retired and moved on to other right. things. And it's just sort of one of those hazards of the job kind of thing. Um one of the things is interesting so like I said, Ballard would not say definitively, yeah, we're not going to we're not going to play him in week one or anything. I mean, he wasn't ready to rule him out in any capacity, but he did say that he'd be comfortable putting luck out there at 85 to 90 percent. Or, or as he put it, and this is his direct quote, if he can function, yes. And if his pain's under control and he can protect himself and play good, yes. Uh, in, in response to asking if he would be allowed to play at less than 100 percent, which is a different thing than his responses have been sometimes uh, especially with the shoulder, he would not give that kind of answer. And so that makes me think if they, if they can get some things kind of in hand, they're willing to, you know, to work with that. If they think that they've got, if they think they're trending the right, right way and they've got it under control, that they would be willing to get him on the field at less than a hundred percent.
2: So that makes me believe that at this point, they believe it's really just a pain management issue. Um, Chris Ballard wasn't willing to play Andrew Luck at less than a hundred percent when it was his shoulder, because that there was something that could potentially happen that would make his shoulder worse. So that tells me that they, they don't think it's a problem that can get worse. It's just going to be an issue of pain management. And if that's true, if it's just pain management, um, I, I think NFL doctors hand out all pretty liberally. So I, I can foresee mm-hmm. Andrew Luck playing um, a lot of football this year, as long as it is just a pain management issue, as long as he's not at risk of any further injury.
1: Well, and one of the things that Luck specifically said, because I poured through, I mean, today was a ridiculous day for me because I just poured through uh, transcripts that f- that were from, you know, past conversations that Luck had had with the media. I watched him talk to Peter King And I went through all of these different instances of luck talking about this injury to kind of see if there was any indicator that would that would point us towards something. And one of the things that he said, well, I mean, he said several interesting things that that kind of in the context of what we know now make a whole lot more sense. But one of the things that he said is that he um, well, in addition to evading the question that Peter King asked of when this injury took place, he kind of left some indicated openness that it could have been, you know, something from prior, which they've now said is probably the case that it sort of led to that. But he also said, you know, that, um, that he didn't want to come back. He, he wasn't trying to manage this issue. He was trying to have it not be an issue at all by the time the season got here, that he was not, I mean, his, his goal was to have dealt with this so that it was not a lingering thing throughout the season. So um, if that's the mentality that he's taking, I don't know if that's a conflict with the Colts or if if that's uh, where if they're on the same page there. But it sounds like his goal is I don't want this to be a problem. I don't want to play through this like I did the shoulder. I want this to be done so that we can have a, you know, a regular season with all of the aches and pains that are going to come with it, you know, from from, you know, other games. But we want this to be in the rear view. And that'll be interesting to see, you know, what that looks like. By the time they're actually ready to you know, kind of start ramping up, like you said, Shepard, if it's a pain management issue and they've just started to figure out how to do that, if they found the right spot, maybe that changes the equation quite a bit. Because if you've just got if you're if you've been trying to manage the pain and you're managing a part of it, but not the whole uh, or even not the source, obviously, that's going to that's going to change the way that you treat things. So it'll be interesting to see over the next week what it looks like. I don't know how much information that we'll get. Uh, in that time, but it'll be interesting to see how he progresses. Um, One of the other, I wanted to read one more quote that just kind of tells a little bit in terms of the actual nature of the injury. And then I want to move on and talk about a couple of other things Um, still kind of in the same vein, but, but from a different angle here. So this is a quote uh, from Ballard about sort of the nature of it. So he says, the issue right now is the side to side stuff, kind of rolling of the ankle, moving in the pocket. Those are the kinds of things we have to get him better at. Um, so straight line movement was okay. Uh, he actually mentioned that like driving and throwing was not a problem. It would actually be the mobility stuff, the movement in the pocket and the back and forth, the lateral movement. That's, that's maybe more of an issue. So that's interesting. Cause that is a little, it tells you a little bit, it doesn't tell you everything, but, um, I, I think that's somewhat encouraging to know that there's, there's at least an ability to throw. It also, connects with the report that we heard from Tom Pelissero over the last day or two that that he's been throwing and doing uh, a lot of throwing work with Tom House, uh, you know, not in camp, but kind of in uh, behind closed doors doing a lot of throwing. So that would make sense because he would if he's able to plant and throw that way, if it's just the lateral movement that's problematic, then then that's encouraging, at least to some degree, I guess. The throwing that he, you know, he's he been throwing pretty much the whole time, which has been great. We don't have to
3: worry about that. But man, that if, if it hampers his his pocket movement at all that that's where it, i mean it's not the end of the world but it would be kind of suck because
1: he's probably the best at it yeah you definitely well, don't want the, to be damaged
2: i think the the obvious answer is that we just need to uh we need to do whatever we can to uh, convince the offensive line to not let anyone near andrew luck for the entire season so last year was good guys
3: just let him turn into a Right. That's
2: what I'm saying. We just, you know, just let Andrew Luck stand back there. We need to do what we need to do. Uh, if we have to have max protect for every play and we only have one receiver run routes, we may not win many games, but uh, Andrew Luck won't need to move. So, you know, what are you going to do?
1: That'd be great. So <laughs> that actually segues in fairly well to what I wanted to talk about next because there are going to be some roster implications for this whole revelation. And I'm wondering, so, so I'm interested to to know your guys' thoughts on some of these, but, but first and foremost, if your quarterback is struggling and not able to play and you're on a tight roster where almost certainly they were only going to keep two quarterbacks, you're probably going to have to carry three quarterbacks onto your active roster, which means somebody else is probably getting cut. That sucks a lot because that's already one of those things where you're looking at this roster going, I'm not sure who I'm willing to give up, but now you're looking at a situation where you may have to give up somebody you really want to keep in order to carry a backup quarterback who you know you're not going to keep. What do you guys think about that situation? It's it's
2: really brutal. But, I mean, you know, it's kind of the nature of the beast. Um, You know, I think if you're Chris Ballard, you, you try to pick out the guy that you think will clear waivers the best. Uh, and you stash him on the practice squad until uh, until Lux back, and you can cut Chad Kelly and hope to stash him on the practice squad. You know, it, it, maybe that's what he does, maybe not. But man, it it's a going to be a brutal decision.
1: Yeah, I'm I I was thinking about that this evening and just thinking, man, if you have to cut somebody who gets picked up and you lose a talent for that, the only the only thing that I thought could be a positive is. You know, what if you have Chad Kelly who just lights up the rest of the preseason and builds up some buzz for himself? Maybe you can, you know, spin him off to somebody in a trade after you've picked him up. But everybody's everybody knows you're going to have to get rid of him. So maybe you could get him get rid of him for something and get some kind of a return back. But chances are it's not replacing what you lose. So um, just just really going to going to put the the screws to the front office to try to figure out who it is. Uh, that they would have to cut in order to make that happen. Now, on the flip side of that, if they think that luck is good to go, if they get to week one and they think, yeah, he maybe isn't perfect, but we think he's okay, maybe you just keep to. And maybe maybe if you feel confident enough, you say, yeah, he's not perfect, but we, we can put Brissette in. If, if we need to put Brissett in, if, if he has to come out, we can put Brissett in. Um, but you really do get yourself in a little bit of a, of a pinch uh, if, if you aren't feeling pretty good about him by week one. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting and, you know, I, I hadn't this hadn't occurred to me, but you talked about the idea of kind of the max protect. Uh, I know you were you know, kind of joking, Shepard, but I was thinking, I wonder if Hale Hinches is actually the guy who benefits a little bit from this, because if you know you've got to really work to protect your quarterback, you're probably running blocking heavy tight end packages, especially against the um, the pass rush that you'd be facing on the road against the Chargers, and you're going to have to be getting rid of the ball quickly, and you know you're you're definitely you know concerned about doing that. I wonder if that increases his chances as a guy who's who's a pretty good blocker. I mean, n- not necessarily somebody who, I mean, he might be able to make the roster anyway. He's kind of impressed them in terms of of his catching ability, but well known as a blocker uh, from Alabama and. Be interesting to see if his chances are improved just by nature of the fact that he's played well, but additionally that they might want that H back type guy who can be in uh, to help protect even further.
2: Yeah, it definitely can't hurt. Um, you know, I don't know that I don't know that you make that decision just because Andrew Luck is hurt, um, but at the same time being a, a solid blocker at the tight end position with, you know, a little bit of an ability to get out and, and run a route and catch a pass. Um, you know, it goes a long way, uh, in the short term it might do more for Joe Heggs playing time being with six offensive linemen that they bring in. But, uh, yeah, no, I, you know, <laughs> Hale can do some things that, uh, <clears throat> that he cannot. So, um, it, it might, it, you know, definitely can't hurt him and, and, uh, Hopefully we get to see a little bit more out of him this
1: next play in this next preseason game. Definitely. All right. Well, that has me thoroughly depressed, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. I've, I I don't feel super pessimistic about this. I really do think, honestly, I, I'm I'm not expecting something terrible. And in reality, we do have a good enough team to win a couple of games. I think you could expect to go two and two across these first two games. I mean, let's say Luck had to miss the first four games of the season, which I think is outside of our minds at this point. I mean, that would be, I would say, worst case scenario to expect him to have to miss those. If you could go two and two on that stretch, I think you probably feel okay about that. And I don't think that that's out of the question because you've got winnable games, you've got a a vastly improved defense and a vastly improved offense surrounding – Andrew Luck and and it it would make sense to think that Jacoby Brissett could get this team to a couple of wins I don't I don't know if that's overly optimistic of me but I feel like that's Jimmy think that that is reasonable or or am I being a little bit of a homer there
3: well I think it's reasonable I mean how much time have we spent on this podcast and the few episodes we have done together talking about how much we like Jacoby Brissett so I'm not going to sit here and act like it's the end of the world if Luck misses some games and you know what lots of big quarterbacks miss games i mean ha- Roethlisberger misses a court, misses a game what at least one a year almost at, le- at least did did he did he play all 16 last year um i know, don't, I'd have I to don't look. think so dude gets i I'm, I'm not sure like at least once a year so i mean it's it's going to happen dude's 30
1: or almost 30 our first four games are chargers titans Falcons Raiders. I feel pretty confident that the Colts could beat the Titans and the Raiders without Andrew Luck. Um, The Titans game could be tough and it's, they're not a team that I think you can just hand wave because I do think they've gotten better. But I think that those two games for sure are games that the Colts could and should win um, and, and might be able to win still with, with Andrew Luck on the sideline, not what you want, but I wouldn't be running around, you know, horrified at the prospect of him missing time um i still think it's I, it's not ideal obviously but i still think that there is is you know plenty of reason to be optimistic about this team's chances even if he had to miss a couple of games
3: yeah completely agree it's it's not ideal but what are you gonna do people
1: get hurt it's a violent sport we need to That's deal right. with next man next man up iron sharpens iron just chop some wood
3: we've got a way uh, more interesting team to watch you know it's it's just it's it's a better team all around. So there's no way we can compare this to 2017, and and what happened without Andrew Luck because there's just so many more and versatile and better pieces in play.
2: I will say that uh, that if we go into week five without Andrew Luck, uh, we are definitely losing to the Chiefs without Andrew Luck. So just just wanted oh for sure. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that one out there, guys.
3: Yeah, no, I'm not like I'm not super optimistic yeah, that no, we're yeah. gonna sail into the to the playoffs with Jacoby Brissett. But if we miss him for a couple or if we have him for a couple games at the start of the season, right. Well that's, you know, great. I mean, that's if not settle it. Right. That's
2: ultimately that's ultimately <laughs> why you, you want to have a good backup. You don't have a good backup that you feel that can win you the same amount of games as your starter, or else he might be your starter. You want a good backup that can come in and win those winnable games, those games that that the team itself should be good enough to win with a guy who is uh, adequate. And I feel like Jacoby Brissett is adequate. So I, I don't think that it's out of the question that the Colts could win against the Titans and the Raiders if if need be. I mean, shoot, anything could happen. The, the Chargers could come out and act like the Chargers sometimes because they – I don't – I can never get a feel for the chargers some years they're good some years they should be good and they're terrible i don't really know um but you know could could be one of those chargers things where they just have a really bad game and and jacoby Brissett comes out and throws one touchdown pass and marlon mack runs for seven touchdowns i don't know anything could happen but you know I, I think that those two those two games the titans and the raiders if luck isn't playing i think that those are reasonable to expect that, that they could still come out ahead on those
3: well, I already predicted that we'd lose the Chargers game even with luck because the Chargers feed off, the, you know, the just indifference that <laughs> L.A. and that stadium has for them <laughs> and somehow channel it into yeah. winning football games. So
1: that w- we were hosed anyway. Yeah. Um, so w- the only other thing that I wanted to touch on before we move on to, um, to some other things is – I've seen this a little bit and I I put this tweet out there, but if you're in the group of people that's that says Andrew Luck is soft, that is that is a blockable offense on Twitter. Don't even come at me with that nonsense, because that is the most ridiculous garbage I've ever heard. If you want to say Andrew, Andrew Luck is injury prone, I will not argue with you. I will say, you know, okay, I could see how you might make that case at this point. But if you want to say that he's soft, I mean, come on please. I don't, that's just ridiculous. And I've heard several people make that argument and it's just dumb and there's just nothing to support. I mean, the dude play, the dude won a game with a lacerated kidney. So I just don't want to hear you talk about him being soft. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And it just invalidates your opinion on football or really anything else when you make that statement. So just don't do that. It's dumb.
3: Dude got his rib broken. It then punctured his kidney and he's like, let's win this football game. He, he he literally, literally is, could
2: have died. He he could have.
3: Died. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's insane to think the amount of pain he was probably in. People die. And from he that. Literally, <laughs> literally drug the Colts to a victory with a bone in his kidney. So I think
2: it came back yeah, out. But yeah, no, I, I get what you mean.
3: Whatever. <laughs> I, I'm imagining that that thing was like pierced all the way through it, I and it was like the most grisly injury yeah. ever, and. But you know, and he was fighting it. He was getting it.
2: I think by the end of this he will have been impaled on someone else's rib bone that someone ripped out. Yeah, but yeah, no, I I get get your point.
3: (laughs) No, yeah, and he's like he's like eight feet tall, which is not that far off. And so like I'm just lightly exaggerating the truth here. (laughs) But he had the corpse of the Ryan Grigson Colts on his shoulders, and he was just dragging it across
1: the goal line. Yeah, that. Ugh. Yeah. So so I will hear none of that. You'll, you'll be blocked right away. I mean, you'll be blocked right away if you say that nonsense to me on Twitter. Um, I don't think most reasonable Colts fans think that way. And, and yeah, so I mean, just just the thing that I noticed. And, and of course, there are so many bad takes that are coming out right now um, all over the place of people just kind of in complete panic mode. And I think that's silly. Um, there's there's plenty of reason to be concerned. Uh, first of all, I, I'm not a person who's really in the the whole panic bandwagon for anything because, you know, panicking doesn't really accomplish anything. You can't have any impact on the team. I don't know if you guys know this, listeners. I apologize. None of us can have any impact whatsoever on the outcome of this season. So panicking is really sort of silly. Um, stressing out about about it maybe and, and what the season could have been, I certainly understand. And I, I definitely am feeling that as well. But um, panicking over it just doesn't really make sense to me. And I don't think that it's really even necessary because I think that it's it's in all likelihood the information that we have, the fact that he's out on the field because he has been at practice. He hasn't been practicing, but he's been doing all the walkthroughs. He's been out on the field at the end of practice, walking around. They're not letting him anywhere out there if this is such a significant injury that they think surgery could be a real likely option that, um, you know, season ending complications could be a real likely option. That's just not happening if it's any worse than um, than something that they think, you know, he could miss time for. But but I don't I don't think if it's real, real serious that they're letting him wander around like that.
3: Well, and it's a media frenzy and uh, more food for the trolls is is honestly, I think, the worst thing that happened today.
2: Do you guys remember when uh, when everybody was freaking out over the fact that he was only throwing a high school sized football instead of an NFL sized football?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, remember that. No, yeah. I actually tried to I tried to black that out. Actually,
3: I, I hope to get like we ten plus wins in the season with Andrew Luck, and I can go back and listen to the Dan Dockage from this day that happened. And just, why would you do that? So I can hear the insanity. That 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 crazy person spouted out for an hour and somehow got paid a large sum of money to do it, possibly, and then have it. It's
2: because you go back and you listen to the show. <laughs>
1: yeah, I like, can have clarity of what. Yeah, I- I'm not. I'm not. I'm not giving that man any listens, uh, and I certainly am not. And I'm not suggesting. I'll torrent it. <laughs> I'm not subjecting <laughs> myself. You. I'm not subjecting myself to it either. I'm not interested in hearing anything that he's got to say. All right. um, We're going to take a real quick break, guys, uh, to hear a word from our sponsors, and then we're going to be back. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you about TickPick. TickPick is a great way to get tickets to see the Colts or any other sports, music, or entertainment event of your choice. Not only will you save 10 to 15% off every ticket order, you can do it without any annoying fees at checkout. Think StubHub, but without the fees. Just head to TickPick.com, select your seats, and head to checkout. Get on your way to the next Colts game with TickPick. If you're a fan of podcasts, and I assume you are because you're here listening now, you're really going to love this offer that Audible has put together for Colts Cast listeners. Right now, as a Colts Cast listener, you can take part in a 30-day free trial with Audible and get a free audiobook of your choosing best part about it is you keep the audiobook regardless of whether you decide to keep your membership. Audible offers an unmatched selection of titles to choose from. Uh, there are some great ones like The Quarterback Whisper by Bruce Arians, great stories about, you know, a lot of quarterbacks that are near and dear to our hearts. As Colts fans, there's the best game ever, which is the Colts vs. Giants in 1958. Great Colts history book if you're interested in that. And there's all kinds of other non-sports things, so if, if you've got a family member who really likes to read uh, you know, I've I've listened to Harry Potter with my kids on there. There's a Song of Ice and Fire, the Game of Thrones series, that's on there. There are all kinds of different selections. You get access to those, and best of all, when you take part in this trial, you help out the Colts Cast. So, uh, jump over to audibletrialcom coltscast and start that free trial today. All right. We're back. And so moving away from Andrew Luck related news, one of the things that I did want to spend some time talking about is uh, with camp kind of coming to a close, talking about some players who've actually kind of stood out and made their mark. And there have been several of them and specifically over the last few days and recent recent days, but also just, you know, camp as a whole. So um, do you guys have any specific players in mind? I've got a list of some guys I specifically want to hit, but is there anybody on your mind, um, Jim, that specifically has really stuck out to you in camp this year? Uh, doesn't have to be a rookie. Doesn't have to be a new acquisition, but anybody on the, on the team that you've just been really impressed by what you've seen so far in camp and, and uh feel like that's going to, going to lead to a really solid season for anybody.
3: Uh, this will go back to what I saw when I was actually there. and And from what I've, Read and seen since it's kind of stuck out is how good molly Cox is getting. Um, I've always been interested in him as a project, you know, that whole basketball conversion uh thing for a tight end. And dude's gotten real good. Uh, his route running is fantastic, at least everything I could see at camp, and you know, some of the bit that uh, I got to see in videos posted by the Colts and, and whatnot. Uh, dude is just really solid at it. Was already good at the blocking. We knew that, but it looks like his route running has really come along. And I think he is going to be a really exciting uh third weapon in, uh, in that tight end group for hopefully well, either Andrew Luck or Jacoby Brissett. Cause I don't think it's going to matter.
1: Yeah. He had probably the best catch of the season last year in the that ridiculous one-handed grab yep. and it was, it was not the best throw. It was a little high. Yeah. And, and he basically did his own Odell Beckham catch, um, you know, with just some, just, I I remember seeing it and you just kind of almost wrote it off because you see the ball sailing is a little too high and then he just went up and got it. And he has the ability athletically to do some things that maybe nobody else on that team has the ability to do. And so, Yeah. Yeah. Seeing him develop is definitely exciting and I don't know how much playing time he'll get, but you know, Frank Reich will involve all the tight ends. I mean, I think Eric Swope had two touchdowns last year and he was often on the the practice squad regularly. So, you know, that the tight ends are going to be a factor and great to see him developing because I think there is a lot of potential for his use early and often on this team. Well, and it, it takes the wear and tear off of Ebron and Doyle.
3: We can rotate out more of our tight ends. Plus, you know e- though Ebron said he's been uh uh working on his his blocking. We know Moelle Cox is really good in the blocking scheme. So to be able to have that rotation of somebody who's who's so versatile like say Jack Doyle is is really great. And we've talked about how you know there's a good chance that if it co- when it comes down to contract time, how good Moelle Cox does this season will determine out uh, between Ebron and
1: Doyle who they possibly keep. Definitely. All right, Shepard. Do you have anybody who sticks out to you specifically that, that you've kind of got on your mind? Yeah, I mean, I
2: think uh, Rocky Sin's a lot better earlier on than what I expected him to be. Um, you know, it, I... <laughs> So after after the draft that Chris Ballard gave us last year, um Chris Ballard could have drafted anyone with any of our picks and I would've been like, "Okay, yeah, let's let's give this guy a shot." Even even players that I was pretty sure were going to be bad, if he would have taken them in the second round, I I might have, you know, in the back of my head, I might have been like, "Well, I'm not sure about that guy, but outwardly, I would have been like, okay, well, he, you know, Chris Ballard is obviously good at this. So let's give him a shot. I didn't expect Rocky sin to, to look as good as he has so far. And again, it may not mean anything. This is camp and this is preseason, but man, he's looked really good and really active early on.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think you could ask for anything more for a guy like, I mean, there, he hasn't played in any real games, so he can't have done anything else other than what he's done so far. So give it, given well, the opportunity yeah. that he's had, he's just looked incredible. And at some point, uh, and we've mentioned this before, but at some point you have to have to go, you know, is this, does this, can I continue to chalk this up to luck or a fluke when he just keeps getting these takeaways? And of course it went around on social media, but you know, Monday's practice, he had that 35-yard pick six, and it wasn't so much a pick as it was a robbery because he basically just rips the ball out of Devin Funchess' hands and just takes it all the way back. And it was just indicative of the way that he's played throughout camp. And I'm really excited to watch him go as the preseason continues on because I think he's still going to continue to get time. But man, to see a guy, I mean, to see a guy who doesn't have to have a huge immediate impact because there are already guys in place, but to see a guy like that who is having an impact, who, you know, is making people who know a lot about football and who are there watching ask the question, is this guy one of the best corners on this roster? Um, You know, yeah, is that a little hyperbole and is it a little bit silly at this point without having seen real games? Yes. But also, if if you're playing well enough in that way to make people wonder uh it's fair to say you're doing things you're doing a lot of things right and and there's reason to be really excited about him this season
2: yeah yeah I agree it it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch I, I think if nothing else there aren't gonna be a whole lot of corners who are as tough uh as as Rocky said and that's 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 gonna be pretty cool to see out of a Colts corner
3: yeah everybody keeps saying that it you know what I have seen float around Twitter lately was If not that he's, you know, one of the best corners on the team, but it seems like he's possibly the most athletic corner on the team. And so it is nice to see that the athleticism is showing and he does seem to be picking up the game, the NFL, you know, quarterback position uh, fairly quickly. So it's going to be really interesting to see what he actually gets like into the season and then what we've got in the
1: future. Yeah. And if he flashes through the season and looks solid – but still struggles, that's going to be pretty much what you'd expect from a rookie corner. I mean, rookie corner, I mean, it's a, it's a tough position, and there are a lot of really good quarterbacks and a lot of really good offensive coordinators to take advantage of rookie corners. And if he gets kind of picked on a little bit, that's, that's not going to be the worst thing in the world. If he shows signs that he can develop, year two could be a really big year for him, but very exciting to think about um, in terms of what he could contribute. So definitely excited to see him develop. The guy that I actually had on my list is it, totally cheating because he's an obvious pick, but I have T Y Hilton. Um, he's kind of like, and, and the around the NFL podcast always points this out when they do the coach of the year awards, they, they never really include bill Belichick. He's just like not on the list because it's like by default, he's just in his own category. Mm -hmm. which is kind of nonsense, really, if you think about it. But, you know, you you just don't he's not really ever in the conversation. And I just sort of wonder if T.Y. is kind of that same place at camp where you you don't get that excited about him because it's just like, oh, yeah, it's just T.Y. He just does ridiculous things all the time. That's just what he does. Like, we don't really worry about him. And um, so twenty. now this doesn't matter, but he he apparently had kept track and he's caught 29 of 30 targets throughout the course of camp. And has just looked from all accounts, it looks like it's his been his best year at camp. And he said, you know, the the, you know, the key there was just being healthy. That he was, said, I was finally able to get back to you know, get back healthy, train how I want to train, and have my ankle back where I need it to be. Uh, it's pretty good, and yeah, it's been pretty good. He's been he's been incredible, and it's one of those things that with the start of this, a second year in an offense. And, you know, hopefully his starting quarterback back and some pieces around him, he may have a career year and looks as good as he's looked, you know, for for a while and is healthy, most importantly. So really exciting to see that. But uh, definitely nice to see him having a great camp. And that definitely, we know, does translate to the regular season for sure.
3: And you don't want to sound like you're taking him for granted, but you just don't have to worry about him. Like, even last right. year when he had a uh, ankle He showed up to to Houston with a clown mask on and said, all right, let's let's see what I can do with one foot and smoked him. So a dude that keeps doing stuff like that, you just you kind of it's hard not to
1: take it for granted because you're just used
3: to him being awesome all the time.
1: Yeah. And it's nice to have somebody like that on on the roster that you just can count on to be an incredible player. And, it and obviously we've talked before uh, on the pod about, about his kind of mentoring and everything. So, uh, you know, that's definitely a, a positive to see. I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Reese Fountain and Deion Kane. They're, they're not necessarily camp standouts for the whole, the whole time, but over the last week, um, both of them have really started to come on. And, I was pretty pleased with myself for making this assessment because it seems like maybe uh, I'm being set up to be proven right. Um, I wondered about, I think on the last show about him, about Kane, kind of getting over a mental hurdle and getting through this whole, you know, let's get through this first preseason game. This mental block exists where I know I tore my ACL and I've got to kind of test some things out with my knee. Uh, And get used to that before I really kind of start going full, full go before I start to feel more comfortable. Well, if the reports were any indication from Monday's practice, it looked like a different guy, like he had kind of taken that next step to the next level. So exciting to see if that continues to carry over, if we see some more of that in the next game, if he does look more like the version that we saw in camp last year that would be great. Uh, that'd be, I I would love for them for these two guys, both and fountain hasn't needed that. He's over the last week and a half kind of done that, but, uh, I would love for these guys to make it really hard on the front office to know who to bring, uh, who to keep and who to cut, because obviously that's good for the team, but, um, excited to see both of them really sort of opening things up and, and getting some, um, getting some exciting plays going on. Obviously, still camp, and we don't know. We'd, we'd like to see them put that together in uh, another preseason game and, and look good that way. But um, definitely feel like they've done what they could over the past week or so to impress.
2: Yeah, and just to kind of add on to the receiver position, um, there was a, a report, I don't remember – which it was a national level, a national level reporter that tweeted it out. Um, basically that the Colts have been getting calls for corners and wide receivers. Um, and so that kind of got me thinking about, well, which wide receiver would be on the move. And to me, the most logical one to move, and not that, I, not that I would like it necessarily, but the most logical guy that I, I thought of to move would be Chester Rogers. Um, he's been productive. Um, he certainly I like I like the the consistency that he provides as a wide receiver, but at the same time, if you can get a return for him, his talent can be replaced, and certainly um, by Dion Dion Kane and um, you know Reese Fountain. Either of those guys can come in; they're probably more talented than him right now. So, if you were to move on from him um, and have those two guys kind of fill that role, you could still have a guy. Um, that, you know, is dedicated mostly to special teams like Zach Pascal, make the roster if you were able to move someone like that. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that that plays out. I think that Uh, there may be some curveballs for the, well, either the wide receiver or the cornerback position. We'll just have to see what happens, but it won't be boring.
1: Yeah. And that would certainly be a huge, if nothing else, a huge PR win for Chris Ballard with Colts fans, because they would just be so excited to be done with Chester Rogers justified or not. As, as we've already discussed many times, we don't think it's justified, but I think that Colts fans would think Ballard was even better if he would get rid of Chester Rogers and get draft picks or, or something in, in response. Um, you know, it'll be very interesting. Like you said, there it'll be something to watch very closely. But I think um, that whole group ha- has really kind of played pretty well and made it difficult to decide who you keep. Um, do you guys have anybody else on here? I've got a couple more names, but uh, if anybody else has got one that jumps out at you, go right ahead. Nothing for me at the moment. I mean, uh, my next one was going to be Rock Yasin also. So, you know, we already covered that. Well, one of the things, so I just have, you know, Defense in general, because the defense has been playing really well. There haven't been um I wouldn't say necessarily individual standout guys, but I I've read, you know, highlights from Bobby Okariki, EJ Speed, um, from Danico Autry has had a really good camp that they continue to talk about how good he's looked and how he's looked healthy. And um just defense across the board, the defense now. All of this is really hard to judge because, again, we have to keep pointing back to the fact that we're not with our first string offense. We're not starting with our best receivers on the field. We're not starting with our starting quarterback. And that impacts, obviously, the way that the defense looks. It's one of the reasons why I'm actually really excited to see this joint practice. I'm going to be at camp actually tomorrow, and I'm really excited to see the joint practice take place and see our defense up against an actual franchise quarterback with two really good receiving weapons and a pretty solid uh, group of running backs. And yeah, and I I guess I'm not, you know, necessarily, I don't know the tight end group maybe isn't, quite as good as what what they would be facing with ours, but honestly, a pretty solid offense across the board that they'll be going up against, however many of those guys will actually be playing or getting reps, be interesting to see our defense get put up against them and see if they kind of hold up that same kind of standard that they have. But all of those guys really, there's been flashes back and forth with uh with the various defensive players. So I think um in general it's exciting. But again, we want to see that take place up against better competition when we've got actual starters um, involved.
2: Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens there. And and uh, just to kind of see how they match up, I, I think that if you look on paper – I feel good about the Colts secondary, but if you look at it on paper, you look at the Browns and what they have when uh, they're their receiving core. Yeah, I would probably give the advantage to the Browns, so it's gonna it's gonna be really fun to see how uh, how the Colts corners come out and and you know challenge that and how they you know how they battle against that because this is this is maybe the most talented core wide receiving core in the league. So, you know, it's going to be fun
1: to watch. Well, and, and they haven't faced a quarterback at least this off season as talented as Baker, because it's been largely Jacoby. And so um, that'll definitely be a test to them. And I'm excited to watch it. Um, The other thing, and I, you know, I kind of am switching gears a little bit here, but um, the other, the only other guy that I wanted to mention is a guy that I kind of all admit to begrudgingly mentioning. We've, we've talked about him a little bit on here before, but I've got Georgia Odom on here and he's actually had a pretty solid camp as well. And uh, has had a couple of picks off of tipped balls. And I will admit to being slow to warm to George Odom. uh, But he's obviously, you know, won them over in terms of, of, you know, how they like him. He's, he's kind of kept cemented on the depth chart. They did release a second depth chart, which is basically a cut and paste job. They didn't, really change anything other than, you know, injury type things. Jonathan Williams did uh, beat out Dante Foreman for the running back four on the depth chart, which doesn't mean anything, but is kind of what we expected based on the game. But um, but George Odom is right now one of what I assume will be four safeties. Uh, it looks like Matthias Farley might be the odd man out if they only were to keep four safeties. And that's kind of interesting. He's had a really good camp. You haven't really heard anything about Matthias Farley. He's been very quiet and uh and Odom's made some some flashy plays and and looked looked like he's pretty good. And he's he's always been a pretty good special teams player for the most part. So kind of interesting to see him doing well and and exciting to see young depth stepping up and and bumping out, even though we like Matthias Farley, it's kind of this conflicted You know, thing at this point of you like these veterans and you like to see them do well, but also there's something really nice about seeing young guys come up and bump those those guys who maybe are at their ceiling out of the way uh, and kind of push this team forward. So exciting to see that. I'm not sure uh, I have mixed feelings at this point about it. I know that Zach Hicks is a big George Odom fan. Uh, I'm still not there yet, but but I'm I'm working on it. Guys, that's really about all I have today. We we had initially I know we had said there was going to be a guest and uh, that didn't work out. Uh, we we didn't nix that because of the Andrew Luck situation that just kind of happened to crop up. And so maybe it was fortunate that 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 situation didn't work out. I'm not going to tell you who the guest was going to be. Uh, we're just going to carry that on and over. I'm not sure when they're going to be on again. So you're just going to have to wonder until the point at which we have our actual guest on. But it would have been great, and you would have been really excited about it, and our show is probably much more boring because we didn't have our guest, and you'll just have to squirm and wonder. (laughs) Definitely more boring. I feel like we were entertaining. (laughs) We're we're opposed on that opinion.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We have opposite opinions about our our entertainment value.
2: I feel like I'm highly entertaining. I laugh at myself all the time. Yeah,
1: I I, I mean, (laughs) I, I believe that. I could buy that. (laughs) i do too and that's part of my problem all right well guys um i know this was a little bit of a bleak podcast because of course this is not the most exciting news but i honestly am more optimistic than not i think that you should be too um there's plenty to wonder and worry about but honestly we're in a good place this is a much better team than the roster of 2017 so Keep in mind, worst case scenario, if luck has to miss some time, this is a far better roster. We are in a we're in a tougher schedule than we had last year, sure. But don't worry too much about it. Again, there's nothing you can do about it anyway. So don't stress yourself out about it too much. Also, you know, if you run a fantasy league, I would recommend like pushing back your fantasy draft for a little bit if you can, because that would probably be beneficial if you uh, if you're trying to decide who you're picking up. I would say Marlon Mack is a yes. Go ahead and pick him up. I'm not playing in any fantasy leagues, and I won't take any responsibility if your league is if wrecked by listening to any advice that I give. But um, just just my my two cents there that you might investigate uh, picking up Marlon Mack. And that's all I got for you. Um, we're gonna be back. We're gonna be back on Friday, and we will be. I'll recap a little bit of what I saw at uh, the Colts Browns practice. And we'll talk kind of a preview of that game and, you know, what we're hoping to see, some matchups we're going to be watching and all that good stuff. We'll do that on Friday. And until then, guys, it's been good. We'll catch you you all later. Bye-bye. See ya. (laughs)
0: Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs>
1: Pretty wild.
2: Listen to our solo acts mini-series now in the VergeCast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.